You're listening to Local Church Podcast. We hope this message helps you to be with and follow Jesus. Enjoy the sermon. Jesus, thank you so much for this day. Thank you that we could gather. Um, Lord, I thank you that we can sing together. And I just pray that throughout this message, that, that very refrain that we sang, let us become more aware of your presence. Lord, I pray that as we dig into your word, we would become more aware of your presence. We become more aware of your promises, more aware of your glory, more aware of your holiness, more aware of your grace, more aware of your mercy, more aware of your truth, more aware that you are a light unto our feet. Let us become more aware of your presence today. Let us be a church and a people that are hungry to become aware of your presence. We know you are present. You are omnipresent. That is a a doctrine that if you are here and you are a Christian, is something we believe, but so often we are unaware of your presence. We get distracted from your presence. We get pulled away, sucked away from your presence. And so we sing and we pray and we ask uh, that we would become more aware of your presence. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 11, 37 to 54. Let's uh, just take the first seven to start with. Luke eleven thirty-seven. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at table. So... Just in case if you're new to the story of God, a Pharisee was like a high-level religious leader. Um, they had a lot of religious power, but also a lot of political power. Um, so this is someone that was just in, seen as a person of authority, a person of power, um, and very much uh, like a religious elite. So this is, this is who he's going to have a meal with. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. So Jesus comes in. He's not washing hands. No, not going through any of that. So any of you that have your hand sanitizer in your purse right now, your bag right now, or the multiple hand sanitizer people, you'd be a little freaked out by Jesus. I'm just going to let you know that right now. You'd be like, where's his hand sanitizer? He doesn't have it. My son is a... um, an avid hand washer, and we're, we're working on it. We're working on it. It's, he's probably the only 11-year-old boy in the world where we're telling him not to wash his hands so much. Like, son, you need to. He washed him so much that they started, they started to bleed at one point. It was just like so much. So much. I was like, why are your hands cracking? And we found out it was just like overly, overly washing. Uh, so we're working, we're working on teaching him not to wash his hands. And so I told him about this sermon today. I was like, Jesus doesn't wash his hands, son. <laughs> Some of you are terrified. You're like, he's telling his 11-year-old boy not to wash his hands. Like I said, he's, he's probably the only 11-year-old being told that right now. Uh, that's, that's where we're at in our parenting. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. He didn't have his hand sanitizer in his pocket and just skipped the whole deal. Just walked right in. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. 
Jesus immediately calling out this obsession for everything on the outside to look put together when everything in the inside is a complete mess. He's calling out this obsession for everything on the outside to be clean, shiny, sparkling, and not giving a rip about things being filthy, dirty, filled with guilt and shame on the inside. He says, you fools. See, this is what he's going to say. This is foolish. This is foolish to be obsessed with your appearance when inside you are decaying and dying. You fools. Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give, give as alms those things that are within. And behold, everything is clean for you. Jesus is saying in his kingdom, in the kingdom of heaven, in this realm where Jesus rules, this realm where Jesus leads, the way things work is not outside in, but things work inside out. He says focus on the inside being clean, focus on the inside being organized, focus on the inside being transformed, and everything on the outside will transform with it. Jesus' kingdom... If you're a note taker, you can write this down. Jesus' kingdom is an inside-out kingdom. He works from the inside out. So much so that he doesn't even care about hand washing. Some of you are freaking out again. There's germs. What about germs? <laughs> germs are not that scary. They're really not. But give his alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. So, Alms is an idea of like tithing and giving and generosity. He's saying give, give your, the inner parts of yourself. There's other times where he rebukes the Pharisees for they love to give alms outside. They love to give things from the outside that people could see and people could celebrate, right? Love to be like, we're throwing a big charity event and put it on their Instagram. Like Pharisee just... Gave away five grand to the children's hospital. Big smile. And it's great that the Pharisee did that. But they haven't given their heart away. They haven't given the innermost part of their being away. They're clinging on to that. But they can go through these outward alm motions. Tithe outward motions. Giving big outward giving inside. This ring at all true for our culture this celebrity culture, we love to celebrate what charities different people are giving away, but then you look at their life, like, and the, there's zero character. And Jesus is calling that out. He says, but woe to you, Pharisees. Woe is like his strong, strong rebuke. But woe to you, Pharisees. This is Jesus speak for watch out. Like, no, this is serious. Like you are headed down the wrong. Oh, stop. He's calling them fools. He's pulling out woe. Like woe. Calling them fools and pulling out woe is, is very, very close to cussing them out in, in, in our culture. Like this is essentially like getting cussed out by Jesus. In that day, he says, For you tithe the mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. 
you tied the mint in the root. They'll go through all the little details, every, even the tiny details to look like they have it put together on the outside. But inside, they do not love God. They don't actually care for people. There's no caring for people. It's just make it look like you're caring for people. This may work in the world, but no one's fooling Jesus. That's what Jesus is walking in and saying. He's like, look, people might be fooled by this. I mean, look at these Pharisees. They're so holy. They've got everything on the outside put together. They got it all organized. It's all going. Look at their tithing, even their mint. How, how holy do you have to be to be collecting mint and go, you know what, I'm going to set aside 10% of this mint and sprinkle it on the temple or something. I don't know what, how they even tithed the mint, but they were doing it, right? Look at how holy they are. And Jesus is like, I see through all of it. And in the inside, you do not even love me. What things in your life are you still just going through the outward motions, but inwardly their heart's not there? You may be fooling others. We are not fooling Jesus. You won't fool Jesus. We can't fool Jesus. He says, these you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you Pharisees. There he brings it again. For you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace. Woe to you. And if they, in case you thought he was harsh before, listen to this. For you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without knowing it. If you were walking through a park... And this park actually was an unmarked grave. You'd be walking over dead bodies and not knowing it. And he's saying, this is what you are like. Like, this is as intense as it gets. He says, you are just dead and rotten. And no one even knows it. But I know it. This is a heart check message. Does your heart love Jesus? Are you experiencing Jesus? What is going on on the inside of your life? And this is very, very counterculture because our culture is obsessed with what's going on on the outside. And because our culture is obsessed with what's going on outside, it's easy for us to obsess with what's going on on the outside. But let me tell you this, Jesus cares little about what's going on on the outside if on the inside you are dead. Jesus is obsessed with what's going on in the inside. He knows when things are all for show. I uh, church planted, uh, our first church plant that I got to be a part of was in San Diego. We church planted there and led it for eight years. When we first planted there, we were looking for a space to meet. Um, and there was this old nightclub. It had transition from a nightclub. It was once the Hot Mon Monkey Love Cafe was the name of the nightclub. Um, and that nightclub got shut down. The Hot Monkey Love Cafe became uh, Upaka, which a camera would all stood for, but it was supposed to be like an urban community center. We were kind of in inner city San Diego next to San Diego State University. Uh, and it was supposed to be this kind of nonprofit community center and it sounded, I heard the vision, I was like, this is great. They had an old, like, kind of concert room that they were using for the nightclub beforehand. They now had transitioned um, 
for a place to maybe do theaters or plays. And we're like, oh, this will work for us for our church. We'll meet there. Um, so we started meeting there. And I was curious to start learning about, you know, what are the other nonprofits that are meeting in this community center? There's supposed to be other office buildings in there. And one day, um, we'd only been there uh, maybe a month or so in the director of Upaka, the guy who ran the center, um, we'll just say his name's Joe. Uh, Joe asked to meet with me and one of our other leaders. And so we, we get together with Joe, sit down and meet with him. And uh, Joe's like, okay, Jake, here's the deal. Here's the deal. All the people that are like funding the grant to keep us a community center, they're coming to check on our community center to, to make sure we're doing stuff in the community and that we're like legit doing nonprofit stuff. So he's like, so what we got to do is we got to put on a big dog and pony show. We got we to we put on a big dog and pony show and, and make, them, make them think we're doing stuff in the community. And I was like, Joe, we are doing stuff in the community. And I started telling him stuff. I was like, hey, we just redid this widow's yard. Uh, we're partnering with the Rolando Community Center to redo these gardens over here. Uh, we're working with some of the refugees. And we're right next to the big refugee community. We're volunteering on the college campus. And he starts nodding his head. He's like, oh, yes, yeah, that's great. That's great. Just make it look like you're doing that. Get a few pictures and, and we'll put it in like a binder or something. And, and it'll be perfect. We'll put on a big dog and pony show. And I was like, no, Joe, I'm not. Like, we are actually doing these things. That we are a church trying to be in this community. And he, like, winks at me. He's like, uh-huh. <laughs> so are we. Uh-huh. He's like, you've done this before. You got, you got the whole dog and pony show practice, don't you? And I was just like, what are the other nonprofits doing? He's like, there's not any other nonprofits. Yeah. Two months later, we, the whole center, well, I'll back. <laughs> Two months later, the whole thing gets shut down because there was a drug ring and a prostitution ring running through our urban community center. So we got like a one-week notice to like find a new building. They're like, this place is completely closed down. Got a bunch of our stuff stolen a couple times. Um, didn't, didn't work out so well because the whole thing was just a dog and pony show, I found out. <laughs> and he couldn't even believe that we would actually want to do stuff for the community. He's like, this community is crap. What are you doing? Like, let's just get money. It's like, well, that's what we came here. I thought that's what everyone was trying to do. No. We also got locked out like multiple times. Like would show up. This is just side stuff. Would show up multiple times because stuff kept getting stolen from the tenants. And so they would change all the locks, not tell us. We'd show up Sunday morning to like set up, be locked out. This one guy that was dealing drugs would be living there. I, you know, he started to figure this stuff out when he shut down. His name was Jeremiah, and I'd just pound on the door for like 40 minutes till he would come and open the door for us. I mean, Jeremiah! Jeremiah, open up, we have to do our charge! Just pounding, pounding, pounding. He would open up, and there's a lot of other stuff you could go with that, but he would eventually let us in. And That was our time at Upaka. Uh, Sunday, if I ever write a church planting memoir, that's like one of the opening opening chapters. I got a lot of stories like that. Needless to say, that's why we're happy about meeting in the youth building. <laughs> when you've been a church planner, you're very grateful when you can just even unlock the door. You're like, yes, this place is great. I can get in. <laughs> Upaka was obsessed with the appearance that we're doing something in the community. Put on the appearance of it. We are obsessed with appearance. 
Church, where are you more obsessed with appearance than what's going on in your heart and character? Is it hair? Is it makeup? Is it your outfit that you're thinking about? Man, what, does, what do I look like on the outside? Imagine, for some of us, imagine if you even spent half as much time working on preparing your heart as you did working on preparing hair, makeup, outfit, clothes. What would happen? Other is you, it's, it's, it's the appearance of my house. Imagine if you spent half as much time thinking about how to remodel your heart and soul as you did remodeling the kitchen. Some of you, what if you spent half as much time thinking about strengthening and building up your soul as you thought about tricking out your truck or the new tires you want on it? Where is it? Where is it where focusing on appearance is taking way, way more time than focusing on what's going on in the inside? Jesus is saying, look, you want to remodel the kitchen, but the foundation is completely cracked. We want to appear to have it all together. I had a a friend who was on social media, and this friend had some of the naughtiest kids I'd ever seen. These kids would like poke each other in the eye, come over, they like pull the person's hair just screaming crazy, out of control kids. But she had an incredible social media presence and she could somehow find a way to like once a day get her kids to all sit and do some perfect like, we're doing Play-Doh now, you know, picture. And honest to God, she started to get this huge Instagram following and I was watching it happen and I'm like, her kids are crazy, you know, they're crazy, right? And and, and it did, it was shortly on, she was literally like on a parenting talk show as a guest because her Instagram following had gotten so big. And I was like, what in the world is going on? This is the world we are living in. Where the celebrity and the appearance gets all the credibility and the inward character is completely ignored. I remember one time I was counseling a couple in San Diego and uh, they're having rough, rough marital issues. And the worse their marriage got, the more they posted online about how great their marriage was going. It was, it was an interesting thing. Like, and, and it's kind of just this cultural phenomenon. I was like, if we can just appear like it's happening. I like would literally be sitting down with them and they're just like, he's awful and she's the war and wah da da and he did this and this. And then I checked their Facebook the next day and she'd post, woke up to my nine shining armor this morning. You know, and he would post something like, my princess and I are going on a magical vacation soon. Can't wait to spend this time with her. And then I would like meet with them the next day and they're like, ah! And they sadly like divorced like a month later. And, but up until that, if you're only following them on social media, you would have thought, if only we could get our marriage like this. Look at their marriage. Look at their marriage. He's the knight in shining armor. She's the wonderful princess. It appeared online. People were shocked when they got divorced. They could not believe it because they only knew of the life of what it appeared to be. Of what it appeared to be. But we do this. We all do this. Where do you care more about 
appearance than what's actually happening in your heart, in your thought life, your habits when no one's looking or watching. And appearance isn't bad. I'm not saying these things aren't bad to take care of your home. It's not bad to uh, have some personal hygiene and look presentable. As my, my wife makes sure that me and my four kids, none of us have much outward appearance focus. And, and things get worse as you get older, is too. Um, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be 40 this year. So you get hair just growing in different places. It wasn't growing that you don't think about. And if I didn't have a wife, you would all see that hair right now. And, and, and I'm thankful. I started, um, I'm, I can't grow a big beard or anything. But as I've gotten in my mid-30s, late-30s, my facial hair, it's funny to even call it that because um, it's not much of that. But it's gotten wirier, it's tougher. I like to think manlier, like it's just, it's gotten very masculine facial hair now. But as a result, after, after a few hours after I shave, anytime after that, if I like blow my nose or wipe my face, the little like wires in my upper lip will just tear the toilet paper. And I, again, I don't care much about this parent. I cut my own hair. I just do that because it's faster. Like I've gone to barbers. I'm like, yeah, that looks way nicer. But I don't want to sit for 40 minutes. I can do whatever I just did in five minutes. So like that's the level of care that I have about appearance. Um, I like buy a new shirt once a year and I'm happy with that. And so what this means is a lot of times I'm just walking around the house with toilet paper all over my upper lip. And if I wasn't married, I would go out in public and preach with the toilet paper all over my face. Like seriously would, would do that. But Lindsay, thank goodness, would be like, Jake, toilet paper all over your face again. Hair that you need to deal with. Please buy a new shirt. <laughs> if you've been going to local church for a while, you've seen me preaching this outfit every other week. <laughs> it's a go-to. Blue jeans and it's kind of got florals. Looks nice. Nothing wrong with being presentable. Taking care of your home, taking care of your possessions. But I'm I'm asking us to be honest with ourselves if we even cared near as much about our inner life, what would begin to change? If we begin to pay near as much attention to what's going on with our character. Why, why am I exploding in anger? What is going on there? I need help there. I need, to, I, need, I need to confess this. I need to get prayer. What is going on in my thought life? Why do my thoughts go down this path all over and over? What am I doing to remodel my thought life? What would it look like to glorify God with my habits and glorify God with my character. Ask yourselves, do you spend more time thinking about your appearance than you do being concerned with and thinking about transforming your character? What if you cared as much about what God sees when no one is watching as what the world sees online? And you begin to think more and more. And more and more of your thoughts and times how much time so many people spend making sure they get the perfect post 
on their Instagram right now, right? Hair's perfect, pig perfect outfit. This angle, no, that angle didn't work. Let's try this angle. And then the post is like, just woke up. But what if we spent the same amount of attention, the same amount of detail, the same amount of focus on being like, what does God see right now when he looks inside? Is my inner life presentable to God? What parts of it aren't presentable? How do I confess that? How do I plead for mercy? How do I work on that? Let's continue on. Verse 45. One of the lawyers answered him, Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. I love that. <laughs> I love that. They're like thinking he's going to be shocked by that too. I just love the setup here. So you have the Pharisees and the lawyers. These lawyers um, were partnered with the Pharisees. High, high, again, powerful people in the culture. And when you're thinking lawyer here, thinking they're defending the law, teaching the law. But the law they're defending and teaching is the Torah. It's biblical God's law that they're supposed to be kind of upholding. And so God has just talked to the religious leaders, the Pharisees. He's calling them out and calling them out for how they're using the nitpick of the outward pieces of the law to basically judge people and elevate themselves. And the lawyers are listening to this and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like by insulting their nitpicking of the law, you're also insulting us because we're the ones kind of helping tell them what parts of the law to nitpick. Right? And so they're like, oh, surely Jesus. <laughs> You're not trying to insult us lawyers also. Right? I mean, Jesus, it almost sounds like when you're insulting them, which we're all cool with, okay? Pharisees, fine, someone said it. <laughs> but Jesus, it almost sounded like when you insulted them that you we're throwing us lawyers in there too. I'm just, just going to say it. I'm sure you didn't mean to. Apology accepted. You don't, you don't need to barely apologize. Just one quick blog post covering it up and we're good. Okay? I'm not even going to bring it up again. <laughs> oh, okay. Should be good there. Verse 46. And he said, woe to you lawyers also. Whoa, lawyers just totally missed it. Just, oh, thank you lawyers for bringing that up. By the way, your turn. Buckle your seatbelts. Woe to you, lawyers, also, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them, and you build their tombs. He's calling them murderers. He's like, okay, you want me to talk about you? First, you put burdens on people that are crushing them. And your murders. Let's just throw that on top of it. This guy's kind of wishing he didn't bring it up now. <laughs> you ever bring something up after and then like totally comes back to you and you're like, yeah, I should let that go. I don't know how many times I've done that in marriage. I've been like, honey, you know, you really could do this a little better. Oh, oh, you wanted to bring up? this just uh we're talking about things we can do better around the house right now or just okay how about this this and this I'm sorry you're cool so I didn't mean to bring that up love you honey did I mention I love your hair all right that's where they're at now like what 
Therefore also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute, so that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. He says, you want to know what you're guilty of? Killing any of God's prophets in all of history? Do you want to talk guilt? Now, where's the application for us? How quick are we to put burdens and expectations on others that we don't put on ourselves? How quickly are we to put burdens and expectations on others that we don't put on ourselves and judge them for it? And Jesus is like, do you want to talk judgment? This is why it's so, so, and he warns of pride and he warns of judgment. Because there's going to be a day where we will all stand before the white throne of judgment. Jesus alone will be the holy judge. Not us. We are going to be shocked at some of the people that he says, they're mine. I love them. They've been redeemed. They've been forgiven. We'll be shocked at some of the ones that he says, nope. Didn't never know me. And we will be shocked at the type of people that we actually judged, said, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to judge them. And our judgment was completely wrong. Our judgment was way off. How many of you, like Peter, when Jesus was talking to Peter, and he said to him, look, I'm going to have to die. I'm going to have to go to the cross. And Peter is like, no, 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 Jesus. That can never happen. And how many of you would have agreed with Peter and been like, yes, terrible idea. Jesus going to the cross. What that means is we would have been wrong about the very thing that needed to happen for the salvation of mankind. If we'd be wrong about that, what else can we be wrong about? We need to handle all of this with great humility. Often what happens for us is we have a high bar of judgment for others and then a low bar and a lot of grace for ourselves. I can't believe they would do that. Then we just turn around and we do that other thing. One of the modern things that happened that was uh, upsetting a lot, a lot of people the last couple of years, you had uh, certain politicians saying, hey, you cannot travel, you cannot breathe, you cannot go here, you cannot go there. And then like a week later, you would see them like having this huge banquet, mask off, like just feasting. Um, there was one, there was one politician, it was bashing on Florida, like Florida, you know, they're awful. Everyone's going to die there because there's no masking and there's no mandates and this and this. And then like a couple weeks later, found out that that politician bought a mansion in Florida. And we're just like, wait, wait, wait a second. I thought you just said that state is awful. And they're just like, and people even from their own party were like, what are you, I don't get this. It's easy when we see others to do it, right? You'd read that news story and be like, ah, oh, hypocrite. But how often do we do it? How often when someone ghosts us on the phone or stands us up or is late to something, I can't believe they'd be late. I could just, I'm going to late. 
Don't they know who I am? I'm busy. I have things to do. And they are late. And then the next day, you're like, I'm so, so sorry. I'm like, I'm running late. I'm just trying to get this together. I'm just, uh, I can't, I can, I, I'm, I'm running a little bit late. It's okay that I'm late, right? Anyone do that? You're like super, or have you ever like gotten cut off on the freeway and just been like, I'm going to kill this person. And then like the next like 10 minutes later, you accidentally cut someone off and you're like, it was an accident. You give them the little polite wave, you know, the little, sorry, sorry. And they're like now tailgating you, you're mad. You're like, don't get mad, it was an accident. You're like, well, it may, what if it was an accident the guy that cut you off 10 minutes later and you were ready to like, be like, hang him at the highest tree. Yes, hang him at the highest tree. They cut me off. And Jesus says we need to watch out for this. We need to watch out for putting burdens on others that we ourselves would not carry. We need to watch out for putting expectations on others that we would not even expect for our own selves. We need to watch out for judging others and forgetting that God is the judge of us and of all. What if we were more concerned with living out God's call on our lives than judging if other people's are living out God call, God's call on theirs? I'll ask that question again. What if we were more concerned with whether or not we are living out God's call in our lives or for our lives than we were with judging if other people are living out God's call in theirs? We have a marriage principle that my wife and I try to live by and teach in pre-marriage, and it's inspect and suspect yourself first. Get in a little marriage fight. It's one of our rules of fighting in marriage. Get in a marriage fight. What do you usually do? Think about, what did they do to make this fight? It's their fault. There's, no, no, inspect and suspect yourself first. All right, me and my wife are not in harmony right now. Not in harmony not harmonizing. What could I have done to get us here? Inspect and suspect yourself first. Because you know you're a sinner. Oh, you know what? I'm a sinner. Maybe I sinned and that's why we're in this spot. Let me inspect and think and ask the Lord to reveal, oh yeah, I did do that and I did that thing too. And then, and then you just go and apologize for the things that the Lord reveals. And you'll be amazed, amazed how much smoother marriage goes when you have two parties inspecting and suspecting themselves first and then racing, we call it racing to repentance. Try to be the first to apologize. Satan says, wait for them to apologize, right? Be stubborn. So, yeah, sure, I inspected and suspected myself and I did this thing, but she also did this, this, and this and I'm not apologizing first. Mm-mm-mm. Not me. It's going to be her. I'll wait it out. What? Some of your husbands say, like, I want to lead. Lead in repentance. Win the race to repentance. Start being the first to apologize and see how the leadership in your home changes. Race to repentance. Win that race. All Christians should desire to win the race to repentance, to be quick to apologize. Church, here's the terrible news. The terrible news is you are far dirtier on the inside than you know. Your character's more jacked up than you care to admit. 
And we often focus on our appearance way more than the things that are really important. And Jesus sees everything. This is the bad news. We're filthy on the inside. We're broken. We're messed up. We're jacked up. We have jacked up thoughts, jacked up habits. We ignore our character. We worship people with crappy character instead of worshiping God with perfect character. And Jesus sees all of it. We're hypocrites. Some of you are here and you're like, not a Christian. You're like, I don't want to be a Christian. Christians are hypocrites. Okay, yes, you got us. We're hypocrites. The least hypocritical thing we can do is confess our need for Jesus. The bad news is we're jacked up and Jesus knows it. The good news is Jesus has done something about it. He doesn't leave us in our sin. He doesn't leave us in our brokenness. He doesn't leave us in our filth. As a matter of fact, one of the theological term called expiation. Okay? Expiation. Expiation is the cleansing from our sin. That Jesus died on the cross to wash, not just to forgive us, but to actually wash away our sin. I don't know if you've ever done something that just made you feel so guilty and you took a shower and you're just like, I just want this washed away because the feeling of guilt and shame. Jesus' blood washes away your sin. By grace, not even by your effort. Yes, I want us to work on our character more. But it doesn't matter how obsessed we got about remodeling our inner life. It is by grace that Jesus calls us holy. Through his shed blood, we now are transformed from the inside out. We cannot transform ourselves from the inside out. Jesus, by his grace, transforms us from the inside out. As we receive, as we receive, and the good news, the good news is this, he sees everything. Nothing's hidden from his sight. That was terrible news, but let me tell you why it's good news. It means there isn't anything that he wasn't willing to die for. He didn't go to the cross, shed his blood, and then later find out, oh, you also did that? Oh, this thing in your life is also messed up? Crap, I didn't die for that. No, he sees everything, knows all of your sin, all of your past, present, and future brokenness, sees the darkness, and he died to cover it all. To wash us white as snow and to separate us from our sin as far as the east is from the west. This is the good news of Jesus. He knows we are hypocrites and still loves us and died for us. If you're here and you don't know Jesus and you've been kept away because you say, believe Christians are hypocrites. Yes, we are, but Jesus is not. Don't throw away Jesus just because his followers get stuck in rabbit trails of following outward appearance and whatnot. The least hypocritical things that Christians do is we say we actually are so bad, so evil, so messed up that we needed someone to die in our place. In that sense, every confessing Christian is actually not a hypocrite. We know how messed up our inner life is. And that's why we pleaded for Jesus to be our substitute. The one who lived with perfect character in our place. And the one who died the death that we deserve for all the times that our character has been rotten or filthy. 
Jesus, our rescuer. Jesus, our hero. Jesus, our substitute. Jesus' blood that cleanses us and transforms us from the inside out. Amen? That's the good news. I want to leave us just some practical things then. With this good news in mind, with this good news in mind that we are now saints, that we are now new because of Christ. The old has gone. Behold, the new is, has come. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And so what happens is in Jesus' eyes, that you, I want you to see like two categories. If you imagine you had two Excel sheet blocks here, okay? Excel people get excited. We're about to get organized for you. One Excel sheet is labeled sinner. And under that, it might be just different sins, okay? And your inner life would just be labeled sinner and stuff that Jesus is talking about here, fool, wicked, evil, boom, 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 boom. And the next one, category, is labeled saint. Holy, you know, loves Jesus, righteous, gracious, all these things, boom, right down that category. Now, let me tell you what happens. When you, before you know Jesus, your category line is sinner. And now we know people that don't know Jesus that do lots of nice things, that might have good character in a lot of great areas, right? Anyone know some nice people that don't know Jesus? I know lots of them. I know people don't know Jesus. Marriages look way better than people that do know Jesus and lots of great things. But their category would be sinner who sometimes saints. Okay? When you receive the grace of Jesus, when you accept Jesus' life for your life, when you become a follower of Jesus, you get switched. Your category switches. And now you move from a sinner who sometimes saints over to a saint. You have a whole new category. Jesus sees in you a holy temple, a temple of the Holy Spirit. From the inside out, you are new and transformed. But sometimes we still sin, right? Now we are saints that still sometimes sin. It's an identity transformation. But we need to work on our character by learning to be who we already are. Learning to be who God has made us to be from the inside out. So let me give you some steps, of, some ways that you can do that. One, confess your need to Jesus. Confess that you need his help. Ask yourself, how often are you praying for God to help your character? I would say as a homework assignment, ask... No, let me go. That's, I'm, I'm skipping ahead. Confess that we need Jesus. If we're going to grow in this area, we need Jesus. We need grace. We need new mercies. We need Jesus. We need grace. And we need new mercies. Amen? Two, pray for your character. What are the, what are the character traits? Ask the Lord to reveal them. Or if you're married, just ask your spouse and tell her to take it easy. Maybe just start with one. Hey, hon, what's like one character? I, I know this is going to be hard for you to come up with. But could you think of just one character trait that God should be working on with me? And we can be praying for it together. Um, take it, just pretend like it's going to take you a while. Like if you're the spouse and you get asked that, pretend it's hard just to be loving. Yeah, let me really pray and think about that, hon. <laughs> 
pray for your character. And then it is, man, I'm having anger issues. So don't just go around and be like, yeah, I have a bad temper. That's who I am. I'm bad temper guy. No, 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 no. I'm a saint who sometimes struggles with anger. Lord, would you be working that in me? Would you help me see who I am in this area of anger and frustration? Would you be growing and transforming it? Pray for it. Ask others to be praying for it with you. Confess it to some people. Have some people in your life and say, hey, right now I'm really trying to grow in this area. I'm trying to grow and, and battle anger. Would you be praying for me for this? Would you be sending me scriptures that come to your mind that'll encourage me in this? Would you keep me accountable to this? Ask and check how I'm doing. You need to be working. Because look, if we have good friends and I have friends in this room where it's like something gets jacked up in my house, I call them up and like, hey, can you come over and help me? Like a bunch of the guys came over because we had a big oil leak in my van and we spent like two days working on that, right? And we'll do that. Smin, yeah, let's do the oil thing. Let's fix it. Yeah, you know, wrenches, the whole thing. But are we doing the same thing with our character? Look, I have a major leak in my character. I need a few men coming around, praying for this leak, helping me fix it, helping repair it, speaking scripture into my life. What if we begin to do that with that? Get people praying for your character. Two, have your character being shaped by God's word. What is the primary voice in your life, the primary thing shaping your character? If it is an Instagram celebrity, I'm telling you, that's not the best place. God's word is the best place. Have God's word shaping your character, which means you're going to have to read it. It means you're going to have to memorize it. It means you're going to have to sit under the preaching of the word. Is the word of God shaping you? Are you being molded by God's word? If not, build in habits that will help with this. Which is the third one, character building habits. What habits need to change in your life? What habits need to change in your life to help your character? You go on list of those. So again, what are areas of character you want to grow? Are you praying for those? Are you applying the word to those? Who's helping you grow in those? Who knows those things? And then finally, fix your eyes on Jesus. If you want to know perfect character, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look how he handled situations. Look how he spoke. Look how he prayed. Look at his habits. Look at his habits. Look to the life of Jesus. He's the only human that lived with perfect character. Amen? All right, let's pray. I'll give us a benediction. We'll head out. Jesus, thank you so much that we could gather together. If this is true for you, just silently confess it. I'll just pray it and leave it just a moment of silence for us. But Jesus, we need help with our character. We are so grateful that you died for our broken character. Would you forgive us would you forgive us for all the times that we put way more money, time, energy, and emphasis on outward appearance than we do our inner life? Lord, I will lead that I know, I know I just get so focused on all these just outward things going on in the world. My house, my yard, what's going on with the car. 
So many things that can distract from working on what you want to be working on. Forgive me, Lord. Let's just take a moment of silence for you to confess anything silently to the Lord and then be vulnerable and ask him, Lord, is there an area of my life that, that you want to work on right now? And just invite him to reveal that. And as he reveals it, invite him to work on it. Let's just take a moment to do that. ask him, Lord, what do, you, what do you want me to work on? What do you want to work on? And as he reveals it, then ask him to help you. Lord, help me. Help me with this. Hand it to him. Confess, confess the need. Don't argue with him. Oh, I don't know, Lord. I'm not too bad at that. No, no, no. Just, okay, Lord, that's what you're revealing. Please help me. Jesus, we thank you so much that you speak to us and speak to us through your word. Help us become more aware of your presence. Thank you so much for your mercy and your grace. We love you and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Local Church Podcast. To learn more about our Jesus community, visit us at www.localchurchgh.com. Thanks again for listening and God bless.